You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Richard. Good What's morning, happening? Thomas. <laughs> what's wow. going on? Well, I, I, I got to tell you what's going on before we talk about cars. I, you know, this Tennessee's beautiful, but I think I got to move back to Brooklyn. Why? Have to what happened? Up and leave. Why? There's what a happened? Snake. There's a snake in my yard. <laughs> Us city snake. boys don't do well with snakes. No. Neither. I thought there were plenty of snakes in Brooklyn. Don't do well with no, oh, just not no. the kind you're thinking about. I, I thought there were plenty <laughs> yeah, of snakes. <okay. laughs> this is a four-foot black snake with dots on it. It's like four. I've never seen a four. So totally, totally harmless. Keep the mice out. So I mean, totally, just think about I'd it. Have you know, mice, rats, harmless. Rats, pigeons. I'd rather have them than a snake. Oh, my God. So I got to go get Mini. a machete? Oh, geez. Nah, let him go. Let him, let him keep the garage safe, you know? <laughs> what if he gets in my garage when I'm working? I'll flip out. Come on. No, he'll leave. He'll leave. Like he doesn't want to be around you. Nobody wants to be around you. Let's face it. The snake is no different. So, <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> I'm supposed to be painting the chassis of my Triumph next week, and uh, the last thing I want is to see a snake out of the corner of my eye and have the paint go flying all over the place. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you just need to just toughen it up, brother. <laughs> you got to toughen it up. That's all I can say. You've got to get used you know, to when, it. You come, come spend some time with me. I'll get you on the tractor. And uh, we'll, we'll get you out on the field and, you know, let you cut some hay and that sort of thing. And you'll be fine. There's plenty of snakes up there. Oh, By the time God, you finish, no. you will have seen so many, you won't care anymore. Really? So, it doesn't bother you? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. You get used to them. <laughs> you know, they're everywhere. So it's like, well, you know, you just learn to coexist peacefully. Well, coexist. Except for the time the copper the copperhead got into the bedroom, that wasn't a good thing. Uh, I have to say, really, yeah, really. So, but it only happened once in twenty years. So, you know, yeah, once. So anyhow, yeah, it is what it is. So uh, put me on a twentieth floor of a high rise. It's a lot safer. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're going to get used to it down there in in uh, Tennessee, and you're going to get soft. Trust me. Oh, yeah. the, uh, but so I'm down here at the twentieth uh, annual Star City Motor Madness, and it is a uh, substantial fundraiser for the Virginia Museum of Transportation. Um, this is our, as I said, twentieth year, and to date we have raised somewhere roughly about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Uh, for the Virginia Museum of Transportation. Um, and, the and that's funds, in Roanoke? Uh, that's in Roanoke, uh, home yeah. of the uh, Jake Class 611 locomotive and uh, oh, wow. the auto gallery, and a really nice auto gallery that uh, largely brought to you by the efforts of all the volunteers down here at uh, Star City Motor Madness. It was uh, started out to be just a, a, you know, and it just goes to show you how great the car community is. 
This started out simply as an idea. I, I sit on the board of the Virginia Museum of Transportation, as you know, and uh, a, a good friend of mine as well. And the board there tasked us with trying to come up with a plan and fund an auto gallery. They had no auto gallery. They just had a, you know, what looked like a bombed out end of the building uh, full of lead paint and all sorts of nasty stuff and no electricity. So Robert and I decided, well, you know what, we'll kick this thing off by doing a little car show. Maybe we can raise a couple thousand bucks and we would be excited. And so we sat down and we figured out the people that we knew and so forth and we wanted to, you know, not have a disaster. We wanted it to be successful. So we made a list. We were sitting in a Wendy's making lists on napkins of people we knew that we could count on to come to our show for the Transportation Museum, and we came up with about 90 names that we knew for sure if we called them, they would show up. And uh, that very first time, we were blown away. We had thousands of people show up. It was crazy. Wow. Absolutely crazy. Nice. And it's been wonderfully crazy um, ever since. Um, so it's, it's just a great thing. I don't think people realize how important, important the car community is to any number of charities, community events, things of that nature. There are literally hundreds of millions of dollars raised annually for charities by car people, car clubs, yep. car shows. Yes. It's amazing. Well, that's good. Hope you have good weather and a good turnout and, uh, Hopefully there'll even be some uh, Triumphs and Pontiac show up. That'd be great. You know, there's a couple of Pontiacs out there, and uh, one of which is mine. Um, ours, uh, 97 uh, Firebird uh, WS6 convertible with a six-speed manual transmission, which is unusual for that year. So that's what sold me on it. I didn't really, wasn't really fond of those cars, but... After I drove it, I loved it. It's kind of kind of crazy. Would have never thought, but I really like that car. It's a great car. And, yeah, uh, those cars have a stuff. lot of power. Yeah, a lot of power. That's a great transmission, and they're very comfortable driving position. I've driven several of those generations, and uh, they are a lot of fun to drive, no doubt. Uh, it's it's been a been a blast. But anyway, for anybody that is in the Roanoke, Virginia area. The car show is downtown along Jefferson Avenue and other connecting uh, cross streets, and you'll have a great time. You'll see some great cars. We have a ton of vendors, food vendors, all sorts of vendors. Viet, Virginia International Raceways here. We've just got a ton of stuff going on down here. So if you're uh, within a hour or so drive, couple hour drive of Roanoke. We're going to be out here until 3 o'clock this afternoon, so you don't want to miss it. It's going to be fun. Well, and we're just getting if you don't started. have any if, if you don't have any snakes, maybe I'll show up. I don't know. <laughs> nah, I imagine we probably have some snakes here, too, just not the kind you're thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what else is happening in the car world today? Not much here so, in Tennessee. Everything's kind of quiet. Well, we've got a new event, a new AACA event, um, the brainchild of none other than uh, our intrepid uh, CEO of the Anti-Cognomobile Club of America, Stephen L. Moskowitz, and uh, he is, and the staff up there, 
including Mr. Chris Ritter and Pat Buckley and on and on, Stacy, you name it, they're all working on this thing. And it's going to be called Car Mania. And it's going to be July 24th, which is a Sunday. Uh, so just a shade over three weeks away. And it's going to be on the traditional Hershey car show field. Because as you know, you know, we've got that brand new library and research center, uh, the uh, Chris and Kathleen Koch Library and Research Center there and the AACA headquarters. And uh, as luck would have it, we were in, we were able to acquire that property. And it's, of all things, right next to the big show field where we usually have 1,500 cars out there um, during Hershey Week. So uh, Hershey Entertainment has been gracious enough to allow ACA to use that whole area out there for car mania. Um, your friend Wayne Carini is going to be there all day entertaining and signing autographs and such. Um, I heard you were booked, or they would have had yes, you I there. Booked. Yes, I'm taking a uh, baking class, so I'm booked. i got to learn how to make cupcakes, so uh won't be there. But, uh, yeah, I thought you going to learn how to make bagels. Uh, you got to have the New York water. You can't do it with ten yeah, water. It. They don't float. You just have well. to have some of it. Maybe if you just like get some Tennessee water and let it sit for a day or two, and then you know run it through some rusty pipes. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, exactly. so but, uh, it's going to it's yeah, it's going to be a big a big event, I think, and it's. Uh, we're breaking with tradition. Um, that show is going to be open to everyone and anything. It is a non-judged show. And, you know, as you know, AACA does not have typically non-judged shows. But this is going to be a non-judged event. And it is open to everyone and anything. So anybody <clears throat> within driving distance of Hershey, Put Carmania on your list for July 24th. It's going to be a great time. They're going to have entertainment and food, and uh, Steve Moskowitz is going to be there too. Oh, what can you? Bit I can't what, make it. I mean, I'm telling you. You know, I know he he wanted to book you. You know, maybe you could have sang, you know sang for us too up there. That would have been great. Yeah, yeah, but that's right. You were a drummer. You were a drummer, though. You weren't a singer, so. Or, no, or were a you a singer and a drummer? Okay. No, just, just a drummer. Okay. <laughs> hey. So uh, we've been trying to, for the last couple of weeks, um, talk about, relate a couple of stories, um, buying old cars. And I'm going to let you start with one of your favorite old car purchase stories. Wow. My favorite old car purchase story. Well, I think I, it, it was the one about, uh, which I may have mentioned it, about driving up to Binghamton, New York to find, to buy a Sunbeam Tiger. You know, that was interesting. You know, you get to the guy's place outside in Endicott and, was a barn full of cars stocked on top of each other, including cooters and dusters and chargers. And there was, you know, four tigers in the barn. So I ended up buying that one, and it was right-hand drive, one of only 325 made. 
boy, I wish I still had it. But, you know, uh, one great experience was I was working on my Triumph in my driveway when we lived in Oyster Bay, Long Island. And I was friendly with the mailman, of course, because I was always outside working. He liked my cars. One day he goes to me, do you want an old car? I got it sitting in my backyard, and uh, I really don't want it anymore. I want to get rid of it. I said, oh, what is it? He goes, it's a Lancia. And, of course, my eyes lit up. I'm thinking, oh, wow, maybe it's a B20 Aurelia, anything like that. He goes, it's right down the block. Come on and get it. Just take it. I don't want it. So I go down the block, and sure enough, is sitting in his backyard is a Lancia Appia Roadster. And of wow. course, being, yeah, free. And of course, being a roadster, the top was down. I don't know how many years it was sitting in the open. And being an, an Italian car from, you know, uh, the early 60s, the, the metal was awful. So, of course, it was sitting in the mud up to its sills, which meant there were no sills. <laughs> so... I ended up buying it. I ended up getting it anyway for free. It cost me sixty-five dollars to get it towed out of there down the block, and uh, that was interesting. That you know, someone comes up to you and say, "Hey, you want a free Lancia or Roadster for free?" But uh, I ended wow. up giving it away. Yeah, I, I gave it away to a guy who was restoring an Appia up in Connecticut, and he needed parts. And this had the engine, the badges, the trim, all that was good, but the body was shot. But uh, you know, that was an interesting buy. You know, I'm, well, I'm sure we all got some interesting stories. And what happened with you? What was your best call? So I don't know about the best. I, um, my, let's stop at most different. interesting. Well, I will say the best. Let's do the best first, yeah. and then we'll do interesting next. But, you know, the best was I was uh, 14. And, no, actually I was 13. So anyways... Um, I'm pouring through what was called and still called the Tidewater Trading Post because I grew up in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, the Tidewater Trading Post would come out on Wednesdays. I would always make sure my mother went by and picked one up from the 7-Eleven so that I could pour through all the car ads in the back. And uh, I didn't have a car at the time. So I'm pouring through the ads, and I see an ad for a 1957 Chrysler New Yorker two-door. I'm like, oh, well, this sounds great because it's only 35 bucks. And it was over in Hampton, which is over uh, across the bay. And uh, I, I bugged my father for weeks on ending about a 53 Buick I was looking at. He finally gave in, but he was so reluctant, I kind of thought better of it and didn't get that car. And then I went to him, I said, Dad, I said, this is a 57 Chrysler, it's only 35 bucks, let's go look at it. So he took me to go look at it. I remember the guy's name still, his name was J.B. Lanks. As I find out later, he uh, worked for the gas company over there. I just found that out recently from somebody, running into somebody by chance that worked for the guy, but worked with him. But anyhow, long story. Um, I got there, I looked at the car, and I really didn't know what I had, but it was a special order. 57 New Yorker with the 392 Hemi, which was standard, but it was ordered with uh, dual Carter WCFB, so it was special ordered uh, with the uh, dual carbs and dual point distributor, all of that, and uh, two-door hardtop. And uh, 
it had, uh, as I got it home and started fooling with it, couldn't get it to start, and as it turned out, it had a skip timing chain. So that was my first big engine uh, overhaul. Well, it wasn't an overhaul, but my first uh, invasive rep- engine repair, uh, getting in there at 13 and putting a new timing chain in that thing. It was fun. It was a great deal. And then I, yeah, I thought I was doing, heck, I thought I was doing great. And then I turned around and sold it for $290 and thought I was doing great. Man, I, if there was one car I wish I still had, it was that car. So that would be a rare right. car today. Um, yeah, well, there's you just never know what's out there. No, you don't. And horseback at that time, you know, there's still a lot of stuff out there. And there's still a lot of stuff out there right now. About 12 years ago, about 12 years ago, I went out to uh, Centerport, Long Island, to go buy a Vespa for my daughter. And I saw that this guy had all these uh, dual quad intakes and tri-power intakes on his garage wall. I started talking to him. I said, so you're into racing and muscle cars? He goes, oh, yeah, I got a few things. You want to see? So he takes me to the back of his property, which in Centerport, you know, he had about two acres, which was a lot. And... uh, he had this giant uh, container, I guess, you know, that they could use on container ships. He had it in the right. back. He, and sitting inside is a motion Corvette, a 69, yellow, with the black wow. patch on the hood. And I said, how long has this motion car been sitting here? He goes, oh, since like the late 70s, and this was about 12 years ago. It could be still there in a container on Long Island, a real, authentic motion Corvette. And you just never, ever know. You're passing by someone's house. You never know what's in people's garages and barns and, you know, containers. You know, you just don't know. (laughs) So that was interesting. No, it's it's true. Now, as far as high-performance stuff, um, certainly not high-performance, but I bought a 48 Willys Jeepster uh, off of eBay. Oh, nice. I like those. Yeah, a uh, little uh, four-cylinder flathead, as they called it, the Jeep Go Devil engine. Yeah, and, uh, anyhow, so four, sounds like we're coming up on a break. Okay. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268- 4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr 
Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. I think we're back on. You are. So, thank you, David. So, talking about heading out to Indiana to buy or pick up the 48 Willys Jeepster that I bought. So, there was an AACA show out there, so I did a twofer. I went to the show, and then I headed up to northern, northern Indiana to pick up this 48 Willys Jeepster, which was out in the middle of nowhere. The only thing that was there was a college, a small college. And as I was to later find out, it was a small college for wealthier people. It was a very expensive college, fairly exclusive college. I can't recall the name of it. But anyway, so I, I pulled up, and I was supposed to see John. And as it is, John turns out to be this guy's wife. His, his, her, her name was John, interestingly enough. So anyway, I was expecting to see John, but I didn't see John. I saw his wife uh, and her husband, and I was totally confused. And uh, I can't remember his name. He took me out into the garage to look at the Jeepster, which we were going to pull out, and... There was nothing really in there, just a lot of junk in the Jeepster. And there was another bay, large bay, to the other side. And so he's like, would you like to see some other stuff? I've got a really neat car in the other side. And so I said, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to see what's behind the, you know, door number two. And so we went over there. No, never. You know, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to see your special car and all your rare parts and all of that. It just doesn't, you know, doesn't happen. So anyhow, I go in there, and the first thing I see on the right is I'm going through the door because you had to squeeze a little bit or turn a little sideways when you're going through the door. The entire wall, and I kid you not, the entire wall of that second bay area was stacked with GM fuel injection setups from the late 50s. Wow. Seriously, absolutely mind, yes, absolutely mind-blowing. And as it turned out, of course, you know, they changed a lot of those out. And so a relative of his had a Chevy dealership, and so he ended up getting the ones that were swapped out. And then at the same time, there were a lot of kids going to this elite college who had fuel-injected cars, and when they would come to his place to have them repaired, he'd pull those off and put a carbureted uh, you know, uh, intake and carburetor on it. So he ended up with all those things. That'd be a gold mine today. But the other cool thing was, he goes, so over there under the cover is another car. I'm like, oh, great. So he... Walking over there, he says, well, it's a 57 Bonneville convertible. Well, you know, all the 57 Bonneville convertibles were fuel-injected. Everyone. And 
every one of them. And so he pulls the cover off of it, and it says fuel injection on it and so forth, as you might expect. And he said, well, well, you go over there and reach in the glove box. And so I'm thinking, great, there's probably mice and rats in there because um, it hadn't been driven in a long time, all four tires flat. So I hit the button for the uh, glove box. Glove box opened, no mice. I reached in, and he, he said, go ahead and pull the paperwork out. And I pulled the paperwork out. And uh, the name on the registration was Seaman Knudsen. No way. Funky. Yes way. Yep. It was Bunky Knudsen's personal car that he, was he had given to. Yeah, he had given it to his son, I guess, who went to school there, and they were racing it, and it threw threw a rod through the bottom of the pan. So anyway, got to see all those fuel injection units stacked up. Uh, got to see Bunky Knudsen's. 57 Bonneville convertible, and uh, just a, a cool story. That is. Goes to show. Wow. I don't I have no. I have no idea. I've never heard of the car since. But uh, you know, it may still be in that garage. I don't know. Well, maybe if you weren't so cheap, you should have offered the guy money and bought it instead of holding on well, to the cash. Come on, you could have had a great, uh, great find today. Well, it was either that or finish building my house. I don't know. I would have uh, had to had to make I had to make a choice. Yeah, okay. I probably I should have got I that. probably should have bought the Bonneville. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there's still you know a lot of great cars that we all pass up due to a variety of reasons with money and all kinds of things, but you know they just make memorable stories in your head about you know what you did and where you did it and yeah. Oh well. That's the point yeah. of the collector car hobby. You know, you just never know what you run into and where you run into it. And, and the things you yeah. see and find, it, it's great. And the people you meet, of course. Yeah. When I first moved out to southwestern Virginia, um, to the mountains from the coast, I, uh, of course, you know, moonshine in the area that I live in is legendary. Uh, Franklin County was and is, I guess, considered the moonshine capital of the world, um, at least back when it was illegal. Um, a lot of people making quote-unquote legal moonshine these days. But so I came out here, and I'd been out here about a year, and I saw an ad in the paper for a 68, I know you're going to be shocked, a 68 AM American Motors Rebel SST convertible. Very rare car, actually. That is a Rebel uh, SST. Yep, it is. And so it was, uh, I don't know, eight or $900 the guy was asking for it. So I called him on the phone, made a beeline out there to Floyd County, which is further out into the sticks than where I live. And I got there, and the guy shook my hand, really super nice guy. Um, and he said, well, he goes... We'll go see the car, he said, but uh, let's sit down and have a drink. And I'm like, thinking to myself, I, I remember my father, who was from, his family was from Floyd County originally, my dad talking to me about people who had drank moonshine and gone blind. And uh, what it was, of course, is people that drank moonshine that was actually distilled using uh, old car radiators and uh, 
lead and so forth, I guess, and other contaminants would leach out of the radiators, contaminating the moonshine. But uh, so, but that's all I could think of. This guy's like, well, let's have a drink. And, I'm, and he reaches up into this cabinet and pulls out a mason jar. And I'm just like, uh-oh. So he said, sit down. And uh, I'm like, okay, great. And uh, I see the jar there, and my dad's in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, oh, great. I'm going to come here to see this old car. This guy's going to make me feel like I've got to drink moonshine in order to get this deal done, and I'm going to go blind. <laughs> Anyhow, he sits down, he takes a sip, and he slides it across the table, and he goes, turn it up. And so uh, I pretended to turn it up. I did drink a little bit of it. But uh, we had to sit there for about 45 minutes. I mean, it was like the Spanish Inquisition, you know. Where did you come from? What you do? Blah, blah, blah. What are you going to do with the car? All of these things. And uh, so anyhow, I finally got to see the car. I wasn't lit. I, I really, I just faked it most of the time. Not all the time. I mean, it was actually pretty tasty, I have to say. It had like peaches or something in it, but it, it was it was tasty. And uh, I ended up buying the car for uh, six hundred bucks. Ah, see, so it was worth it. It was worth it. It was a little scary, though. You know, the banjo <laughs> music playing in the background and the moonshine sitting there on the table and everything. You know, coming from Virginia Beach, hearing stories about the mountains and. The, some of the people that lived in the mountains, you know, all that. But most of that, of course, is just folklore. Well, today, anyway. Yeah, well, we never ran into people uh, drinking moonshine in Brooklyn. It was either, you know, you go to their house and they're drinking vino, listening to Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra. So totally different. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you no, have <laughs> It was, uh, no, no, no Vino and, uh, no Dino or, uh, Old Blue Eyes. Uh, we're talking, you know, flattened Scruggs and, uh, whatever just came off of the mountain that was fresh. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> the, uh, I have one other crazy story. It was a absolutely crazy story. So I. Gentlemen, I have to break in and say it's, uh, time for a break. I'm sorry that uh, uh -oh. you're not being able, you're not hearing me on the other channel, but we'll take a break and we'll be back to uh, Bruin Moonshine right after this. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. 
It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Stacey Abrams wants to be our next governor, but listen to what she had to say about Georgia. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. We are the worst state in the country to live. Abrams will destroy Georgia with her socialist policies. Vote for Brian Kemp. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Coming back. Okay, guys, we're back on the classic car show with Tom and Richard. So, back to you. All right. So, so when when go for it. <laughs> no, uh, I was uh, I I couldn't sleep last night, so I got up and at like three o'clock in the morning, I'm looking at my phone, and I saw the uh, Cadillac that you sent me for today's deal, a 1960 Cadillac, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, four door, um, nice, decent looking car. You know, looks can be deceiving. Um, particularly with uh, those that era Cadillac, the '60s, '59s as well. There were some rust-prone areas in those cars. Uh, the cowl sections were prone to rotting out. Body mounts prone to rotting out. Things of that nature. Um, but this car really looks decent. It's uh, supposedly third owner. Um, only eighty some odd thousand miles on the car, and I cannot remember what they called it, but it's uh, turquoise exterior, turquoise yep. interior with uh, black uh, inserts with the metallic thread in them. It's a good so, looking car, I mean, you know. The sixty sixty ones I like much better than fifty nine. I think the fifty nine is just too crazy and too big and bulky. Even though you love the fins, but I think the fins on the 60 and 61 are just like perfect, perfect size. And it has a good look to it. Oh, I... Sleek, very sleek yeah. looking. Yeah, I, I've had a, a couple of 60s. I've uh, just sold one to a good friend of mine out in California recently. And uh, so, you know, we were really, really pleased to uh, make that connection, he and I, and uh, he's taking care of the car now but uh it was uh what was it uh shoot bahama sand was the color uh of this of my 60 it was that sort of uh pinkish brownish color it was got kind of like yep. pink with a hint of brown in it but uh you know great engine and transmission a really comfortable driving car and uh this car was only this guy was only asking eight thousand dollars for this car and I know it is unless there's yeah unless there's some sort of really major rust issue, I can't imagine um, that it's going to 
hold for very long. You know, another one I was going to bring up uh, was the uh, was a '64 Triumph Herald. I sent that to you, convertible. Yeah, and that car's yeah, already gone. I yeah, run Forest I didn't, Run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did you have you ever had one of those? Yeah, I had a Herald uh, convertible. Uh, I sold I it three years ago. I had it for two years, and uh, no matter what I did, we just couldn't get it to run right. And when, when I finally did get it to run well, it just has, like, no power. And it shakes and vibrates. And uh, it was like, okay, why did I get this? I only got it because it had no power. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's now out in Colorado, and the guy worked it over. He did a nice nice job with it. But, uh, you know, getting back to those Cadillacs, 60s Cadillacs, to me, are some of the best deals in the collector car market. You get a lot of car for the money. It's a Cadillac. They ride fantastic. You can get almost all the parts available, including trim and everything else. And, and you know, those variations of the V8 engine, you just can't kill. Lots of power, a lot of torque. And uh, yeah. you can fit like 18 people in them. They're so big, you know, great cars, and they're not overpriced at all. So, you know, 60s Cadillacs are the way to go. Oh, I'm, of course you got to have a big so, garage. Oh yeah, that is a problem. Got to have a big garage. Um, but yeah, as you say, great engines. You know the the three sixty five, the three ninety, the four twenty nine, all yeah. great great engines. Um, if they had a weak spot, it's uh, probably the rocker arm assembly. If people don't change, didn't change their oil, you know, it would wear pretty heavily. But uh, yep. real easy fix, though. You know, you just <clears throat> pop the valve covers off, <clears throat> change them out. You can get get them rebuilt. Um, so, you know, just a great, great car. My favorite, though, of all of those, even though I've had a 58, a 59, a 60, um, I have a 61, a 63, and a 64, but my favorite is the 66, which I have had several 66s. Something about the interior styling on that car that is just absolutely amazing. Um, the driver position, the dash, it, it's just so beautifully designed, so well executed on the inside. It, it's just a great car. Um, just float, smooth flowing styling. Um, I just can't say enough about it. I just love driving those cars. That was my first trip over 100 miles an hour. It was in a 66 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. That and you probably was, didn't even uh, feel the speed. Well, we did because there, uh, a sharp <laughs> a sign had been knocked down, and there was a sharp turn up ahead. And uh, I'll digress momentarily. So I was staying with a friend of mine for a couple of weeks during the summer down in North Carolina. And so I went down there, and uh, Woody had his learner's permit. I was a couple months older. I had my driver's license. And his father made the mistake of thinking I was more responsible than Woody. <laughs> they put me behind the wheel, told me to drive the car in, because we were driving back and forth to his dad's uh, um, service station in uh, the uh, nearby area that is about 30 minutes away. And, uh, yeah, I got behind the wheel of that thing, and we threw the top down, 
and put the pedal to the metal. We were having a ball out there in a rural area, thank, thankfully. But, yeah, so a lot nice of fun, cars. great cars. Yeah, my favorite Cadillac is a 57. I love the fins on the 57. I just think that is just very distinctive, unique, you know. Cause, cause it's interesting. Forward. Yeah. I like, I like the, the 58 better than the 57. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I, but, you know, I, I don't really know why. I think the, I like the front end crawling on the, on the 58 better yeah, than more I do chrome the 57. More trim. I yeah. know you like all that bling. You guys from Virginia like the bling. So, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you guys from <laughs> from Brooklyn, you know, no bling, no gold, no gold chains. You know, shoot, I no, I thought no. I was going to have to help help you get up the other other week. You know, all those gold chains you had on us. You know, I'll practically <laughs> pick you up out of your seat. <laughs> so, the only um, thing the only thing we demand on our Cadillacs is Vogue tires. Got to have Vogues. You know, they ain't a Cadillac without Vogues. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, have you ever had one? No, um, 57. No, my father no. had a couple of caddies, and I used to drive them. And uh, you know, coming from Triumphs and BMW 2002s, and I would take his Cadillac, I felt like I was, you know, capping the uh, freaking Titanic, they were so big. And then when you lived in Brooklyn, he had like a, a big four door sedan, like a 73, 74, right? You would have to circle the block like thirty times to find a parking space that the car would fit in. I mean, it's just so huge. Not a city car, definitely not a city car. No, but they did uh, for a, a limited time. What sixty one and sixty two uh, built the uh, Cadillac Park Avenue specifically to make them easier to park. They've got the short rear deck lift. Make them easier yeah. to park up there on Long Island. Um, easier, quote so, unquote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The uh, I've I've also lo- always you mentioned the early seventies. You know that body style that ran from seventy one up through seventy six. Always love that too. But you know, you the driver's position that hood is massive. It looks like the deck of an aircraft carrier, you know? Yeah. You just feel like you it own the road when you're driving. It's huge. Yeah. Um, it's almost as big as the uh, 69 Grand Prix. That has, like, the longest hood in America. And the Cadillac was almost as long. Yeah, huge. But what we did, there was a hill in Brooklyn there, the Verrazano Bridge, and we used to go sledding there. And... These guys brought the hood of an early 70s Cadillac, and that was our sled. And, like, 15 of us would pile onto the hood as it would go down the hill. And as it's spinning around, we all kind of get thrown off. So uh, 70 hoods uh, have a special place in my heart. Yeah, there you go. The, uh, and we, we use traditional sleds, you know. But, you know, I guess you guys just made do with, with what you had, you know. Yeah. And if you needed another hood, you know, you just walk down the block, and when no one's looking, you know, there's plenty of hoods around. You know what I mean? (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) Nice, nice. Um, So another thing we were talking about uh, that you brought up was, um, you know, I thought, you know, an interesting topic, and probably one we'll have to expand upon 
in later shows, but and that is getting your car transported across country if you you know buy it off of uh, eBay or someplace else. You know, getting it back. You know, uh, what are the best choices for you? What are the worst choices for you? Well, you know, I mean, first you got to do your due diligence, and if you can't. Like, let's say if, if, if you live in Maryland and the car's in Utah, you just can't get there because you're busy, you know, don't take the seller's word for it, you know. Uh, hire a appraiser. It's worth the $500 or however much they charge nowadays. To have the car appraised, they'll take lots of photos, and this way you know you're getting what you're paying for. And then, you know, you could go uh, and deal with a transporter, you know, it could be open transporter or enclosed. Of course, enclosed transport is a lot more money. But depending on the value of the car and the condition, you definitely want an enclosed transport unless you're buying a parts car. Then it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, dealing with most of these uh, transport companies, uh, may, basically all of them are brokers. So you're not really dealing direct unless you're dealing with someone, an individual who owns his own you know, trailer. Yeah. Uh, so you're dealing with a the broker. They just carriers. put it out there. Yeah, high end carriers. You know, uh, you know, uh, that's the way to go. It depends on the cost. Yeah. Right. Passport, inner yeah. city places like that. Um, right. You know, it's like I, I think I've already told the story. You know, I used to go to the uh, Auburn Spring Auction regularly and was known to buy a car or two out there. And if I transported by you know a, an ICC license carrier then I would pay taxes on the vehicle in the state in which I lived rather than the state in which I purchased it and so I saved enough on the sales tax by being able to pay the sales tax in Virginia as opposed to Indiana um, it saved me just about enough money to pay for uh, passport to transport it to my home. So, you know, wow, it's it's just little game. things that you don't think about, you know, um, right. that actually using using an ICC carrier, I was able to, uh, you know, take that tax advantage. Now, it, doesn't, it wouldn't work, work, wouldn't work for you if you were buying a car in Virginia and uh, taking it to Indiana. But, it, you know, it's worthwhile to do your homework ahead of time and, and check that out. But I, I do have a story. Um, I know you're shocked about that, too. But So yeah. I've always had a thing for oddball cars. And, you know, at Hershey a good number of years ago, I noticed this car, and I'd never seen one. It just looked different than all the others. And it ended up being a 1939, uh, a 38, 1938 Hup Model E, uh, which is a pretty oh. unusual car. Uh, you know, everybody thinks about the Hub Skylark in those days, um, right. but and not so much about you know. And prior to that, the aerodynamics, but they don't really think about that last run of actual true Hubmobiles uh, in '38 and '39. So anyhow, I saw one online, ended up getting some great pictures of it. It was down in uh, New Mexico. It was. Uh, Rust-free. Now, the sun had baked the dickens out of it, but it was rust-free. So 
So I'm like, great. And I made a deal with the guy. And as you were talking about, I called a guy and he was a broker. It wasn't someone that I had used before either. And I did not do my homework. So what happened is they went by, they picked up the Hupmobile, open carrier, which I didn't care about. But it was the first car they loaded onto the trailer, which meant it went on top and all the way up at the front, which meant it caught most of the wind. Right. Caught most of the wind and anything else that happened to fly up, you know. And so when it pulled in, I went out, and the guy's unloading it, and I look at the car, and I'm like, hell, something's wrong with this car. And then I was like, the roof insert's gone. So because it was up there on the top, you know, because those are, you know, nailed in and then they're sealed um, because it had still had the old style roof. It wasn't a single stamping. And uh, the roof lifted off of that thing in the wind. So it's like a Hupmobile uh, roof insert out there on the side of the road somewhere in New Mexico. Um, now wow. I was able to get, get them to refund the cost of transport, but the problem was yeah. either having a new roof insert fabricated or finding one from a parts car and finding parts cars for a car they built less than 2,500 of is pretty difficult. But I did find a parts car and I was able to get another insert, but you know, just a story, you know, you got to do your homework. You really do. You really do. And Sometimes, you know, if you're dealing with a private transporter, you want to get uh, references. That's important. So, uh, yeah, you got to do your homework, no doubt. Yeah, I was excited. I was in a hurry. I was busy at, at the office. I really didn't have time. So, bada bing, bada boom. And it wasn't a very expensive car either. You know, we're talking, I think, $4,000 something like that, plus the transport. Yeah, so, still. you know, I wasn't that concerned, but still, you know, I yeah, lost Hubmobiles, a valuable part. Hubmobiles I really like. I think they're very cool-looking cars, especially the ones from the late 30s. They had just a great style to them, you know, and the way the hood's open. Uh, yeah, there is uh, Dave Romani in Connecticut. He has a dozen hubs. And he has the factory drawings yes. and engineering drawings and all that stuff. And I was in his garage, and all that hub mobilia is just great to look at. It's like, wow, you, you know, you don't realize, you know, the design that they that they did with those automobiles. It's just not your run-of-the-mill old car. They have a lot of uh, unique features about them. They really do. No, they they absolutely do do. Uh, yeah, Dave Romani, great guy. Um, he actually owns the lowest mileage, uh, 1938 Hupmobile in existence. It's got under, under 20,000 miles on it and, uh, huh. just an absolutely gorgeous car, all original paint, original everything. But, uh, what, what a great guy. He's, uh, definitely yeah. the Hupmobile guru. And uh, yeah. anything you needed to know about Hupmobiles, you can find out from Dave. In fact, he was the guy that helped me locate that uh, roof insert. I mean, he works really hard to ensure that every Hupmobile gets back on the road. Just a, a great yeah. guy. You won't find yeah. any better uh, than Dave Romani. Right. And, 
Um, and seeing his stash of engineering drawings, Oof, that's a gold mine. Oh yeah, yeah. No, just just amazing. Um, you know, you were talking about unique parts as well, and one of those things that's unique, especially if you're dealing with hubmobiles, ram shark noses, and such. They had unique headlight lenses. You know, they had bulbs and then they had lenses. Um, you know, seal beams didn't hit until 1940. Um, so, you know, these headlight lenses. Well, Huntmobile headlight lenses, if you're out buying one, which there's not that many out there to buy, but just in case someone's listening and thinking about a late 30s Huntmobile or any 30s Huntmobile for that matter, you know, trying to get headlight lenses they're like two thousand dollars for a pair if you have to replace wow. them um ram shark nose very expensive um to find because yeah. that's sort of that odd square off uh headlight and uh the sad thing is you know there was a place in auburn indiana that had hutmobile and gram parts the guy had bought all the stock of the part stock of those two companies when they went bankrupt. And, uh, well, for Hup, they went, uh, you know, when the automotive end of their company went bankrupt. And so I had the privilege of going through that place. And a friend of mine, and actually a friend of Dave Romani's as well, uh, Eric Kirk, um, he was up there going through the parts supply and getting some parts for a, uh, 38 shark nose that he had. And he was in the back lot there and there was a, uh, wooden crate and he looked in the wooden crate and there was nothing but Graham shark nose headlight lenses. Wow. That's so a good he got a couple of them. And then the fellow that owned that place passed away. The family took it over, and then they were wanting to dispose of things and clean them up and so forth. And uh, later somebody inquired about the uh, Graham headlight lenses. Nobody could say anything. Somebody went by there to look for the Graham headlight lenses. Not scrapped them. Priceless headlights. So it just yep. goes to show you, folks, if you can find it and you've got your hands on it and you think you might need to use it, buy it. I was uh, I was just sick when I heard about that. Um, right. Literally, Eric buy said it. there were hundreds, hundreds. And, you know, even if you don't need it, if you could afford it, buy it and sell it later on to the people who are restoring those cars that don't know about them, you know? That's where you keep them in circulation and you help other cars get on the road. So, yeah, you're right. We all pass up opportunities like that. It happens. What are you going to do? No. It's absolutely, absolutely true. And, you know, I, of course, you know, most of the dealerships, um, the manufacturers started buying back old parts inventories. I don't know when that started happening, sometime in the 60s, I guess. Um, American Motors was, I think, one of the last to do that. But, uh, you know, I've fortunately managed to save, I don't know, probably four or five pickup truck loads of Nash 
and American Motors parts that were going to be scrapped that were in old dealerships. Or generally speaking, they ended up being you know like AMC Jeep, and uh, you know they had no need for the Nash stuff. So I always asked around, and a surprising number of places still had a stash of parts that they were going to throw away. They just hmm. literally gave them to me. You know, many years ago, up in uh, outside of Steamtown, there was the Nash Nationals. You know, National Convention, yes. the Nash Club, and and I went there, and there was a forty-one Nash. I think it was a six hundred model, and what amazed me most was that a factory strut tower brace across the front shock towers. I mean. You know, that kind right. of stuff we thought it was kind of new in the 80s. Oh, yeah, truck tower brace. No, Nash had it in 1941. I don't know if the 40 models had it, but that blew me away. It's like, you know, a lot of these independent manufacturers, they really were ahead of the curve compared to the big three and the big four, you know? And a strut tower brace in 1941, that, that still, you know, blows my mind today. It really does. Mm. No, the independent manufacturers were way ahead in so many ways. But, of course, they had to be innovative. They were innovators, you know, particularly AMC. Um, you know, they really mastered uh, continuing to use the same basic body shell for years and years and years. They, When most manufacturers were changing out for or every couple of years, um, AMC, they kept the same basic thing, but they managed to freshen it up a bit. It's, it's kind of interesting. They're the only manufacturer that I'm aware of that ceased making a car, ceased offering that body at all, took a okay. couple-year hiatus, and then brought it back and, and started using the dies again. Okay, and gentlemen, the, uh, we, we've got uh, to shut it down for the week. Uh, we've Uh-oh. run out of We're time. We're going to wind it down, Richard. I'm sorry. I know you were just getting started. Well, we'll yeah. take it up again well, next you know, week. Another good week, and, you know, we'll be back again next Saturday at, at 9 yeah. o'clock, folks. And we're yes. looking forward Cheap to it. Cheap cars are good. Cheap cars are good. Yeah. Cheap tools are bad. Cheap tools are bad. And we'll yeah. see you Get off the couch. next week. <laughs> take care. You're listening to America's Bye. Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.